Welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm here with Brad. Always nice to be with you, Amy. We are continuing our series on the topic of social justice. And today we're going to talk about a biblical command that is very closely related to this topic, the biblical command to love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, when Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment, he replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40. Well, given Jesus' emphasis on this command to love your neighbor as yourself, it seems like exploring this idea more may help us further our discussion on social justice. Agreed. So, once again, this is a pretty big topic. I'm an ambitious guy, Amy. <laughs> that you are, Brad. Well, you recently recorded a message for one of our campus partners about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that passage also references the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe that would be a good place to start today. Great idea. I think that passage does have a lot to add to this discussion regarding social justice. Uh, would you like to read the first part of this story, starting in Luke ten twenty-five? Absolutely. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So let's pause there for a second and unpack what we've just read. So right off the bat, we learn something important about the person asking this question, and that is the fact that he's an expert in the law. Yes, and just to be clear, we aren't talking about someone who is an expert in the criminal justice system or something like that. This man would have been an expert in the Mosaic Law, which was handed down to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Right, good clarification. So this man would have been a, a respected religious authority in that society, so he knew his stuff, so to speak, when it came to the scriptures. And he asked Jesus what, on the surface, seems like a good, really good question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. But Luke gives us a peek into this man's motives, namely that he wanted to test Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, but most likely, likely he was trying to see if Jesus would say something that could be used against him or would discredit him as a teacher. This was not a man who was genuinely trying to understand how to be saved. Yes, that's a good point, and I think that helps us understand Jesus' answer, because we would expect Jesus to say something like, well, if you repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you and believe in me, then you will inherit eternal life. At the very least, you would hope that he'd say, there's nothing you can do to inherit eternal life. It's inherited by faith. But Jesus isn't trying to lay out a theology of salvation here. He's trying to get this man to realize some things going on in his heart. Right. And the question Jesus asks him in response, Jesus tended to do that, ask a question in response to a question. This question is a setup to get to the real issues that are going on in this man's heart. And not surprisingly, this expert in the law nails it. Love God, love your neighbor. Just the right thing to say if you're an expert in the law. And what Jesus says next is a bit surprising because he affirms this man's response by saying, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. It almost sounds like Jesus is saying, yes, you can inherit eternal life by obeying the law. 
Right. And again, we have to remember that Jesus isn't primarily dealing with a comprehensive understanding of salvation. So obviously, Jesus is not speaking of a works-based salvation here. He's moving towards this, this man truly understanding what it means to love God and love neighbor. And clearly, this expert in the law has not grasped these two commands. Because if he had, in humility, he would have said, I fall short of this. I need God's help. But instead of a humble posture, this expert in the law asks a follow-up question. Who is my neighbor? And his goal in asking this is to justify himself. What do you make of that, Brad? Why, why does he need to justify himself? Well, for even the most prideful person, the command to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself is a pretty weighty thing. And I think we can infer here that this expert in the law wants to put some parameters on those commands that will ensure he passes with flying colors. Because he knows that if his neighbor is limited to other upstanding Jews like himself, then he's in pretty good shape. Right. And now we're starting to get to the crux of the issue. Yes. And Jesus flips this kind of thinking upside down by telling this very provocative story. Do you want to read that for us, Amy? Sure. I'd be happy to. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So Jesus tells this story of a man who was left for dead on the side of the road, and two people who would have known the command to love your neighbor better than anyone, kind of like this expert in the law, just walk right on by. And then the hero of this story shows up, and he is a Samaritan. Yes, and that would have absolutely been a provocative, provocative part of this story, because Jews hated Samaritans. So this would have stirred up some feelings in the hearts of Jesus' listeners. Without a doubt. Many of them would have been thinking, do you know what those people did or what those people do? We often lose the emotion of this topic because we have positive associations with the word Samaritan today. We call people a, a good Samaritan and we have names for ministries like Samaritan's Purse. So it's hard for us to relate to how provoked Jesus' audience would have been by making a Samaritan the hero of the story. That's right. And we probably don't have time to give the long version of why Jews hated Samaritans so much, but I'll try to give a, a brief explanation here. When the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered by the Assyrian Empire, the Assyrians transplanted other ethnic groups into that area. And the Jews who were still living there uh, ended up intermarrying with these non-Jewish people groups. They also adopted many of their religious customs and and so forth. And so the Samaritans were seen both as ethnic and religious uh, half-breeds. Right. So here's the hero of our story, some dirty half-breed Samaritan. And Jesus says, who was the neighbor to the injured man? 
And what else are you going to say? Of course, it's the Samaritan who goes above and beyond to save this man's life. He is the one who exemplifies loving your neighbor as yourself, not the two guys who have just, you know, have the head knowledge about these commands. Yes, and I think it's interesting that the expert in the law doesn't even use the word Samaritan in his response. He just says, the one who had mercy. Exactly. So, Brad, what are some lessons that we can learn from this story? Well, the first one is that, obviously, we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. We need to live out the commands to love God and love neighbor. I also think that Jesus is dealing with the issue of limiting who we are willing to love, essentially limiting who our neighbor is, like this expert in the law is trying to do. Yes, and well, this certainly is a timely issue given the dialogue that's happening happening in our country today. It is. And anytime we read the word Samaritan and they're referenced you know, in numerous passages in the gospel, this should indicate to us that in some way, Jesus is dealing with the issues of prejudice, ethnic tension, loving people who are different than ourselves. You know, in, in some way, that, that issue is on the table because these are the people that the Jews hated, the people that they are prejudiced towards, the people they don't want anything to do with. The term marginalized is being used a lot in our modern-day discussions. These were marginalized people in that society. That totally makes sense. So, Brad, I'm going to jump in here again and, and try to make sure to keep us accountable. Please do. That's all, always very helpful. So it isn't uncommon for people to take current events and current issues and force them into a biblical narrative, appropriate or not, in order to make a point. By connecting Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan to our current day discussion of race and equality, we got to ask, are, are we in danger of coming to the scriptures with our own agenda rather than letting them speak for themselves? Great point, Amy. And this is absolutely something we need to be aware of. It's a bit like the issue of cherry-picking verses that we've talked about before. Uh, in order to have good biblical hermeneutics, we have to be careful we don't force our own agenda on the scriptures. So... How are our hermeneutics doing today? Well, uh, I think it's helpful to look at other scriptures as we evaluate this issue. First, we need to ask ourselves if the issue Jesus presents here and in other stories that involve Samaritans, uh, another great example would be John 4, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well that Jesus interacts with. You know, whether these stories are addressing the issue of racial tensions between Jews and Samaritans, and the answer is yes. Jesus doesn't pick a random ethnicity as the hero of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus is very intentional in his, his decision to travel through Samaria in, in John 4. And for the first person that he reveals his true nature and purpose to be an immoral woman from Samaria, that also isn't a coincidence. He's breaking down ethnic barriers, gender barriers in that story, uh, socioeconomic barriers even. And, and this is a very important part of these stories. And it shows the reader that God loves all the diverse people of the world and that salvation through Jesus is for all people, regardless of their background. And so the second question we need to ask is, is it then appropriate to bridge the message of these stories to our current day discussions of racism and tensions between ethnic groups? And in my opinion, the answer is yes. It absolutely relates to what Jesus is talking about. At its heart, it's the same issue. Yes, the connection is really hard to miss. But perhaps another question we should ask ourselves is if we are somehow overemphasizing that element of these stories or even overemphasizing this issue in general, are we making much of something that's a relatively minor issue in the Bible? Another great question. 
Let's deal with the first part of that question. In these two stories that I just mentioned, is ethnic tension and hatred between Jews and Samaritans just a minor side issue? I don't think so. Now, is it the only issue that's being dealt with here? No. There are other lessons to be learned from both stories. But the issue of loving people who are ethnically different and God's love for all peoples, the issue of Jesus' attitude towards marginalized people, those are major elements of both these stories. So what about the second part of my question then? Right. Is this a minor issue in the Bible in general? Well, let's quickly scan through the Bible. We just talked about how Jesus treated Samaritans, and there are other stories that we could look at where Jesus, many of them, in fact, where Jesus interacts with people who have been marginalized because of ethnicity, gender, age even, how he treats children, uh, socioeconomic status, the poor, because of a disease or other deformities, lepers, things like that. And and his response to them is that he loves them. He treats them with respect. He empowers them in some way. Moving on from there, if we look at the book of Acts, the issue of the gospel being for all people, all ethnicities, not not just Jews, but also Gentiles, is a major theme that comes out of this book. Then we can look at the epistles and what Paul and others write to churches, and they spend a great deal of time dealing with the issue that there should be no division between believers. I mean, the, the main one that they begin to deal with is between Jew and Gentile, but there's others. You know, we, we read in, in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't mean that these groups aren't distinct and different in some way, but rather that we should be united and love one another despite our differences. Now, you see this issue play out over and over again in the epistles. And of course, we, we already looked at Revelation in a previous podcast and the fact that in heaven, God doesn't get rid of diversity, but rather we are going to be joining and worshiping together with people from all different ethnic backgrounds for eternity. So do I think this is an important issue in the scriptures? Absolutely it is. Now, is this the only thing we talk about in church or on this podcast? No, of course, we, we should, we'd be getting out of balance if we did that. But if we ignore this, or if we say, well, this is just you know political correctness or postmodernism or liberal thinking, and we downplay this issue in some way, then I believe we would be guilty of imposing our, our own agenda on the scriptures, not the other way around. That's a good point, Brad. Uh, do, do we have to ask, is, is it possible that we're taking our cues from the culture around us rather than from God? That is to say, because the world is making a big deal about this issue, now we feel like we have to jump on this bandwagon. I think that's also an important thing to evaluate. We shouldn't care about diversity just for the sake of diversity or because our culture tells us that we have to or to please people in some way. We're guided by God's word. That is what we look to for our wisdom and direction. But as we just saw, God's word talks a lot about the issue of diversity and God's love for all people. And we haven't even mentioned the Old Testament yet. The nation of Israel is chastised by God through the prophets many times for not demonstrating mercy and justice, especially for vulnerable groups like orphans and widows and foreigners. I was just reading the other day in Isaiah chapter 1, where it says, Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. So we don't need to look into our own culture for our marching orders. We have the timeless teaching of God's word, and it's pretty clear on this issue. Yes, there are certainly a lot of examples of the Bible dealing with this issue. 
So, Brad, let's bring things back to our original story of the Good Samaritan. Any parting thoughts on this story? One way to describe what Jesus does with this man, and also others who would have been listening to him speak, is what I would call a heart check. He tries to reveal to them some things going on in their hearts, limiting who their neighbor is, knowing, knowing the law but not living it out, hatred towards those who are different. Now, some of them may have been open to this and humbly realized their need to change, but others, perhaps this expert in the law, we, we don't know for sure, hardened their hearts in response to what Jesus was trying to reveal to them. And these two types of responses are very applicable to all of us. I think that this national discussion on social justice that we've been in the midst of this year is kind of a heart check for all of us. And I pray we will be those who open up our hearts to what God wants to teach us and not those who harden their hearts. Amen. Well, Brad, it's always so sad to get to this point in our podcast, but I think we're just about out of time. There's always next time, Amy. That's right. And we'll see all of you next time on the One Link Podcast. See you next time.